Hello and welcome to today's webcast. My name is Fred Reynolds and I'll be your host and moderator. This is one in the ser series of uh, webcasts uh, sponsored by the Mac Learning Organization. The title of today's presentation is Connecting Scholars with Information and Unlocking It. Now, the social web has become the nexus of collaboration and discovery. But how supportive are the existing tools at making leads to scientific discovery? Mendeley's co-founder, Jan Reichelt, joins us via telephone today to show Mendeley's approach to connecting scholars with information, and by doing so, unlocking it. Now, before we begin, a reminder, especially for those of you who are joining us for the first time, if you look down at the bottom of your player window, you'll see a text entry uh, area. You can submit a question to us here in the studio at any time. And then at the end of the uh, presentation, Jan will field questions, which I will uh, give to him. Jan is joining us via telephone today. I believe he's on the East Coast. I have his slides here in the studio. So the way this will work is Jan will tell me to instruct me to advance through his slide deck. So we ask your patience as we do that. And now I think we'll bring Jan on. Is Jan with us? Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yes, how are you, Jan? Great, thank you. And All you? right, we are now on your very first slide. We have a problem. Go ahead, please. Okay, great, thank you. Um, yeah, so basically, um, this first slide, we've got a problem, illustrates very clearly how um, my co-founders and I felt when we first thought about uh, Mendeley as a solution to a problem that probably many researchers have today. Um, researchers had to read and organize thousands of papers. Um, and as you know, if you do research, uh, you will receive a lot of publications or information about new publications, new papers every day, either from colleagues or um, via um, journal subscriptions and so forth. So it's very, very difficult to keep on track what's going on um, in, in your discipline, but it's even more complicated to even organize the stuff you have on your computer. So when we started our PhDs, we actually collected within a few months hundreds of PDF documents which we had to read and organize. And then after four weeks, you, you had forgotten about a, a research paper you read a, a few weeks ago, and you were wondering, uh, what was again, what, was, what did this one author say, and where did I actually store the PDF? And I, I'm sure I made some annotations somewhere within the PDF or on the printout. So basically, it's a mess. In addition to that, you work from home, you work uh, in the office, maybe you work in the train because you travel a lot. And you also have to work collaboratively with colleagues. So if that sounds familiar to you, then I guess this talk will be for you. Um, uh, let's click on to the next slide, please. So that was the situation uh, back in 2008 when we started. We had the same problem as PhD students. And we were basically frustrated with the lack of tools and solutions that would help us as researchers. Next, please. So now in 2010, we are a team of uh, roughly 40 people. We have two offices, one in London, one in New York, and we have some very nice and I would say pretty impressive list of people who support us, which were the founding engineers of Skype, some of the former executives and founding investors of, of Last.fm, and also Warner Music Group. 
And we also were able to secure a couple of research grants from the European Union, the Joint Information Systems Committee in the UK, and a few others. So we must have done something right. And let's advance to the next slide, please. So to explain our approach, it might be useful to imagine uh, and to just focus on the individual at first. So you, you have one researcher, and it's like a little intelligent database. Um, this one researcher knows uh, his own papers, knows the papers he has read, um, gathers and collects all that information and highlights and annotations, and it's kind of stored in the brain of the researcher, but it's not structured. It's in very few cases only uh, somewhere in, in writing. And uh, now imagine that all these little databases are out there as a representation of the individual researchers, millions of researchers and students out there. And now imagine we were able to collect all this information, make it explicit, make it transparent, and then connect all these little intelligent databases with each other and basically aggregate all that information and let people uh, communicate what they are doing. And that, that was basically the approach we chose and the idea for a potential solution. Let's advance to the next slide. Now the problem is obviously what would be the incentive for a researcher or scientist or student to share all that information with other people? Um, that's actually um, a paper we wrote uh, back in 2008 where we compared Mendeley to Last.fm for research. For those of you who are not familiar with Last.fm, Last.fm is a social music service that worked in a way that users would install a small piece of software on their computers which would then listen to what you are listening to and basically build your music listening profile on the web, make that transparent, and then aggregate that information and connect you to other people based on what your listening behavior was and also recommend you additional content. So the, for us, the idea was maybe we can build something like last and build in music, but for research. Because many concepts in research are very similar to concepts in, in this you know, social music world. You have artists in music, which in our case in the researchers' world are the scientists. You have the research papers, which in the music world would be um, the songs. You have the PDFs in the research world, which would be the MP3 files. And you have genres in, in music, which are similar to the disciplines in research. So the question is, what can we give what, how can we incentivize researchers to give and share this information with us? So we basically thought we have to provide some upfront value to make people use uh, Mendeley in order for us to be able to collect that information. Um, next slide, please. And that's why we have developed a piece of software which is Mendeley Desktop. And here you see a screenshot of um, the Mac version. It's actually a cross-platform software which works on Mac, it works on Windows, on Linux, and we also have mobile, mobile applications, which I will um, explain a little bit later. And this software is free. You can download it at www.mendeley.com. It's free. You can just sign up, create an account, download the software, 
And this software will then um, index all your PDF documents, your research papers. So you either point the software to the folders where you store your PDF documents, or you just simply drag and drop the PDF documents into the application. And the application will then try to extract all the document details and the metadata from that PDF and create a library database automatically. So it will try to identify what is the title of the paper, what is the author, what is the year, publication year, the keywords. It will index the full text so you can search full text across all your PDF documents. And we also try to extract the references uh, to create a citation graph across your library. This is not something which we have released yet, but it will come in the next few months. So it's a free application that just makes you as a researcher much faster and helps you to work smarter and helps you to work better and, and more efficiently. Um, next, please. Here you can see uh, a screenshot of the PDF viewer, which is internal to the application. So in Mendeley Desktop, you can read your papers. You can make highlights and sticky notes within the paper, so you have all the information in one place. Uh, then, as I mentioned earlier, when it comes to accessing that information from different other locations, or when it comes to collaborating with researchers, you can create, or basically when you sign up, you create a web account, and you can back up all that information to your web account and can access it from uh, everywhere. Either, uh, you know, you download a new installation of Mendeley Desktop in your office and you can sync, or you access it via the web interface, via the mobile devices, and have access to your data from everywhere. You can also create shared groups um, in, where you can invite colleagues and then can uh, collaboratively create libraries with your colleagues and then collaboratively annotate and work on research papers. Next one, please. Um, this is something I would like to highlight because I think for us it's also important, as I mentioned, um, uh, mobile, mobile internet and access to your information from anywhere and at any time is ramping up much faster than the desktop internet did back in the days. And that's also something where obviously Apple is, is leading the market with iPhone, iTouch, and uh, now obviously the iPad. So this is a slide from the Morgan Stanley presentation from 2010 where you can see how fast the mobile internet rose uh, with leading I uh, the, you know, iOS applications or iOS devices um, really basically growing much, much faster than the desktop applications. And this is important for Mendeley because Mendeley is also a social network uh, where people can connect to each other based on their interests, and they want to connect by desktop, web, and mobile. So users expect to get their stuff 24 hours, seven days a week from any location in the world, and that's why we have built mobile applications uh, that allow you to do that. Next slide, please. Uh, here you can see Mendeley's iOS application. So we have an application for the iPhone and an application for the iApp, and we actually have a dedicated team that continues to develop the uh, iOS applications. That's, I think we've launched that towards the end of last year, and uh, we will see 
very quick iterations in the development of these iOS applications. So expect more to come soon. And um, you know, this is obviously very important for researchers when they go to conferences. They want to take their research papers with them. They want to be able to make highlights and, uh, and notes and access the data from anywhere. Next slide, please. So as I mentioned earlier, we give these tools out for free to the researchers as an incentive. And um, so we see a lot of people using these applications in order to work better, smarter, and more collaboratively with their colleagues. And then the trick is to anonymously aggregate all that usage information in the cloud. So I gave this example of these little individual databases and if we were able to connect all these little individual databases to the central server, which is now where, we can make research and small collaborative and transparent. We can connect people based on interests. We can recommend you additional articles based on your reading behavior and reading habits. Uh, we can create or allow people to create public groups and um, you know, allow them to discuss about topics in, in the open, something that uh, was just very difficult to do before. Next slide, please. Here you can see an actual screenshot of Mendeley Web, which is a kind of news feed of what is going on in your, let's say, social network. You can see if colleagues have published a new paper, uh, if colleagues are connected to each other, if they have joined a group, if they have added a document to a group. And uh, please, next slide or advance. Here on the lower end of, of that screenshot, you can see that there are discussions emerging around research papers. For us, it was important to identify the research paper as the item of communication in science around which conversations and discussions emerge. Um, I personally believe it's, uh, it's very difficult to just create a social network for researchers and then say, please come, please join uh, the social network. Instead, we thought, okay, what is the item of communication for researchers and scientists? And that's actually the published paper. And as you can see here, you have a, a, a group with members and people add documents to that group and then people can comment on these documents and say, well, this is actually an interesting article, you should read it and uh, follow up with highlights and annotations even within the document. Next slide, please. And advance, next. Uh, here you can see, this is a, a public group set up by a university library, the Princeton Biological and Life Sciences Library, where, like, where we see librarians starting to create public groups to let, um, let's say, scholars affiliated with that university know about new publications or relevant publications for them. So we can see that uh, academics in that field use Mendeley in order to collaborate with colleagues. And that's uh, publicly available. Advance next, please. This is a screenshot that shows you uh, an overview of some of the aggregated data we collect. So here you can see based on Mendeley's uh, usage or based on what people are reading in the Mendeley universe, so to say, what are the most read articles overall or um, 
by a specific uh, discipline, in that case it's, it's psychology. It depends on what uh, discipline you've signed up with. So you can see, for example, here the most read article has 1,339 readers and it's called Why Most Published Research Findings Are False. And it's a kind of um, a filter. And we just show this as a little abstract, a little to, to give people a little idea of what is possible via such a system. Obviously here it's, you know, the most popular article doesn't necessarily mean it's the most important one. We could also reverse that and say one least read article in your discipline because it might be a hidden gem. It's just meant to show and to give a little glimpse into the type of data we collect. And this is something we are working heavily on with a specific team uh, in order to clean up the data, to deduplicate the information, and to prepare this kind of information to make it useful for individuals and groups. Advanced Here further down on that page, you can see most frequently used tags in psychology, which is a kind of similar to uh, trending topics on Twitter. It's, uh, we are investigating right now, evaluating whether that's uh, you know, something like a trend prediction engine, and I'll refer to that later, because you can see what people are working on right now in real time. And if you clicked on, on one of those tags in one of the tag clouds, in that case um, it was the tag FMRI, you'll get to a catalog, a list of results of research papers that have been tagged with that specific tag FMRI. And here you can see the little gray boxes with the numbers mean the number of readers and the numbers of additional tags applied to that specific document, which gives you a little indication of how popular or maybe relevant this article is to you. Advance, please. If you clicked on one of the article links in that search results list, you would get to an article page on Mendeley where we display all the abstract information, the metadata, like the title, the authors, um, the, the, the publication, publication year, and the abstract, and so forth, and then please advance. And on the right-hand side, you can see the readership statistics for that specific paper, and we have that readership statistic for each of the papers we index, because we have the social layer which we track based on usage. And in that specific case, you can see there are 72 readers on Mendeley reading that paper, and we just show again the top three by discipline, by academic status, and by country. So, for example, it might be interesting to see, to compare two research papers and say, one research paper has a thousand readers, but they are all bachelor students, while another research paper has 10 readers, but they are all high profile professors from the US or the UK. Advance, please. And advance. On the right hand side, we also show related research based on keywords in the research paper. So you'll be able, or if you have identified one research paper that's of interest to you, you'll be able to give you related research uh, based on keywords. Once you start filling your individual library, and you are a premium subscriber to the service, right now at least, that is. 
we also deliver personalized recommendations similar to Amazon's functionality. People who have bought this also bought this. And in our cases, people who have read this paper also have read this paper. So it's a kind of collaborative filter mechanism of personalized recommendations. We are at the moment also working on uh, recommendations based on the actual full text of the research paper. Uh, but that's something we are going to release over the course of the next month. Right now, it's based on collaborative filtering. But the aim is really to um, help people, again, work smarter and supply with more relevant content based on the aggregate usage of the information we can collect. And then um, advanced, please. The related research obviously links out again to other article pages, which uh, then are hopefully giving you more information than you would just find when you were searching for the article somewhere else. Advanced, please. Now, why why do we think um, this has some kind of significance? Over the last two years since we launched, which was basically end of 2008, beginning of 2009, uh, more than 750,000 users have started to use Mendeley. And we track where these users are coming from based on the email ending. Uh, and based on the email ending, we can identify where these people are coming from, and the 20 largest user bases uh, are the list which you can see here on the right-hand side. And I think it's a pretty impressive list. And Obviously, you know, we're more than happy to be able to report this, um, well, to, to the users to show that there is definitely some kind of significance. Advance, please. Also, in terms of data aggregation, we've seen a huge uptake of people uploading documents to their accounts. So right now, we collect real-time data on more than 60 million research papers. Um, and this is obviously, you know, increasing uh, over time. And the question is, you know, when when will there be a saturation? But uh, each year, as far as I know, there are more than uh, two or three million uh, papers published. So I think uh, this is, is still it still gives us some more room to grow. Advance, please. Um, we've also seen tremendous, tremendously positive feedback from our users, from our user base. Um, we actually received many emails from people saying, well, I really like what you do, and for the first time I get my papers organized, and uh, you, know, you helped me a lot. I would like to tell other people what you're doing. Do you have any presentations, or do you have any information material I can send around? And what we've done is we've set up an advisor program, and uh, you can apply to become a Mendeley ad uh, advisor, and that means you are the, let's say, local representative, the local face of Mendeley to the academic community where you are. And this map depicts a little bit where our advisors are located at the moment, and we are keen to grow this program with more advisors over time. So if you're interested in, and if you like Mendeley, if you find Mendeley helpful, and if you want to help us spread the word about this, um, then you know, feel free to apply. Advance, please. Now, one obvious question surely might be, how do we intend to monetize? How do we intend to make this a sustainable business in order to invest in, into more innovation? And we have a couple of ideas. Right now, 
um, we already have individual premium accounts for which you can subscribe, which are priced at uh, five or ten dollars respectively, depending on how much storage, web storage you want, and depending on how many people you want to collaborate with in a group. Um, and that's where people already can subscribe. The next stage to that obviously is that uh, there are departments interested in signing up uh, because it just makes their work easier as a, as a group and then whole institutions and even enterprises or co companies who are really R&D heavy have inquired about the corporate version of Mendeley. The next uh, interesting piece of um, monetization might be uh, data and analytics because we might eventually be able to give more insights into um, you know, how well are certain publications performing, uh, what, are specific, the, what are specific profiles of specific universities, something I will uh, come back later to. So all this data and analytics uh, information it might be a very interesting um, route of monetization. And lastly, if we know what you as an individual researcher are reading and we can supply you with a recommendation for relevant additional or relevant further readings, uh, you know, Mendeley might as well act as a kind of content distribution platform. So we not only give you the recommendation, but we can also actually sell you um, the, the, the full text. So we can drive content usage for publishers and make more, con more relevant content more accessible to the actual end users. Advance, please. Because, as you've seen, we get so much data in every day, 300,000 documents every day. Uh, that's the current rate, at least. Um, and we're just a very small startup. It's almost impossible for us to really uh, exploit all that valuable information, scientific information, that is now for the first time available. That's why we have developed an API and that is accessible uh, on death.mendeley.com where we allow people to access the, the Mendeley database and build applications on top. Um, here in that first screenshot on the upper left-hand side, you can see um, a couple of applications that have been developed already. I will present some of them on the next slide. And, um, that is also something the New York Times has reported on because, again, I think that's very valuable data that now for the first time is available publicly. Advance on the next slide, to the next slide, please. Um, I want to show you four examples of applications or tools that have been developed on Mendeley's data during our recent internal hack day at Mendeley. So we set up a hack day on Friday and Saturday and had our developers uh, work on a couple of applications internally. And these are some of the outcomes. Uh, and uh, I think they are very exciting examples of what is possible. So the first example is the Visual Tag Explorer. You can type in a tag and it will be the Tag Explorer uh, shows what other tags were related to specific tags. And so you can kind of uh, work your way through connections between tags and obviously then find relevant content. The next example is what we call the wall of research, where we detect, depict um, 
or where we show illustrate uh, the, uh, the number of publications based on when they have been published. And then again, if you click on one of these articles, you might get to the article page, and then, well, depending on your access rights, you can also get access to the full text. Next one, please. Uh, this one is a Mendeley application on Elsevier's Cyverse. So Cyverse is a data platform uh, of the largest publisher, Elsevier, and they have developed a Mendeley Readers application that would show you the number of readers or the readership of the Mendeley audience for each research paper you search on uh, Cyverse. Next one, please. Uh, and this one is related tags for universities. So you could type in a tag and see what are the most, let's say, popular universities or the most the, the universities that are affiliated with that specific tag. So imagine you want to find out what are the most prominent universities uh, for a specific tag, then Mendeley's data would be able to reveal that. And there are many more. One further example I want to show in a little bit more detail is called Reader Meter, and you can actually accept it. That's, that's a tool that is live that has been developed by um, Dario Saraborelli from the University of Surrey, and uh, as I mentioned, readermeter.org, and you can type in uh, a researcher's name, and then the application will give you an overview of the real-time impact of that specific researcher based on Mendeley's data. So it will show you different indices, it will show you the number of publications, it will show you the top publications by readership on Mendeley, it will show you the co-authors. And then if you clicked on one of the top 10 publications by readership on the upper right corner, please advance, then you get to a more detailed overview of that specific publication, and you will see what is the percentage of readers by discipline, by status, and where are these readers based. And this is obviously information that is not only relevant for me as a scientist when I try to search for relevant content, but also for me as a researcher or more as an author. If I want to see what is my audience, right now there's no way for you to see that, but with Mendeley, if you put up your publications on Mendeley, you can actually see what is your audience and where does the audience come from. And you might be interested to find out, obviously, because you want to know if recently a group of engineering students, PhD students from Japan, have started to read your publications, and then you might even be interested to get in touch with them to see how they make use of your research papers and if they have any further questions, maybe. Please advance. So, you know, besides Mendeley as a company, as a product, what's in it, you know, for the academic community? And I think there are a couple of things. One is obviously more widespread dissemination of content and impact information for scientists and researchers. So, as I just mentioned, if you put up your publications or the metadata about your publications in Mendeley, which is very easy to do because the Mendeley desktop you have a a little folder which is called My Publications, where you just need to drag and drop your publications and they will automatically appear on your profile on Mendeley Web. Then on Mendeley Web, you will get 
publication statistics for your research papers. You, so you will see how many readers you have, how many downloads, and how many pages, and you can see how that evolves over time. So more widespread dissemination of content and also impact information, real-time impact information for scientists, researchers, and also publications. Next one, please. Uh, another example, and uh, I mentioned that earlier, is are we maybe able via such a system to predict trends? So if we can see via tag clouds and if we can you know, track what people are doing, can we predict what certain research publications will look like a year's, uh, in a year's time from now on? Because we all know there are these publication cycles where you have to submit your paper and then it has to go through several cycles of peer review until it is eventually published. So the question is, is a tool or is the data a tool like Mendeley Collect able to predict certain research trends in the future? And obviously, if it was, that would be a great achievement. Next one, please. And also, one, one big aim we have with Mendeley is to connect academia back to the general public. And there are two examples I would like to give with that, and one is um, Alex Samara, who is a biology teacher, and you see his, pro his section of his profile here in the screenshot, and he's a biology teacher in Thailand. Thailand. And he is, he is not a scientist per se. He's just really interested in, in research in general in a certain section in biological papers. Um, and he has 300, 400 papers, and first of all, Mendeley obviously helps him to organize his papers, but by Mendeley, he's also able to connect to researchers, other researchers who are actually the more hardcore scientists, and he's able to uh, talk to them and to follow them on Mendeley and to collect research papers that have been published by those people, something that for him, as somebody who is outside of the hardcore scientific community, is largely unavailable, unavailable without a tool like Mendeley. Another example is um, uh, I was on a panel of the social media week last week, and there was a person representing a, a group of bird watchers. And apparently, this community of bird watchers is a very large uh, interest group in the US. And these are all, let's say, hobby researchers or hobby scientists. So they go out and look for birds. The question is, you know, how do they get access to hardcore research that maybe relates to what they are doing in, in, in their free time when they go out and look for birds? So if they, for example, search for a specific type of bird and then want to go out to a specific location to uh, track these birds, why not create a mashup of Mendeley data with a specific location that would help to tell those people what are the latest research results for a specific area or for a specific bird that they should read if they want to get access to a little bit more, let's say, the traditional scientific information. Uh, my feeling is that right now the academic, the purely scientific world is largely disconnected from the general public. If my mom develops a critical disease, let's say skin cancer, for, it's very, for her it's very hard to find out what kind of information, or like where she should go to, who she should talk to, what are the latest research results for that specific disease. But if there was a point of access like Mendeley where she can find the latest research results and then also see the people who are affiliated with these research results and maybe the universities or institutions, then it's much easier for her to uh, you know, get up-to-date and up-to-date information um, for her specific problem. And I think that's one of the big missions we have with Mendeley to increase accessibility and transparency of 
scientific research. Please advance. And uh, I mean, we have talked about Mendeley. We've spoken about Mendeley on many occasions. At one point of time, Dr. Werner Vogel, the former research scientist at Cornell, now the CTO of Amazon, saw us, uh, you know, telling the idea and story about Mendeley, and he tweeted about that actually and said, "I strongly believe that Mendeley can change the face of science, and hopefully we can do that for the better." Next one, please. And that is my talk. I, uh, I hope you liked it. Thank you very much for your attention, and um, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. If you want to get in touch with me personally, feel free to also drop me an email at jam at mendeley.com. And, uh, well, I guess the best thing is now I hand over back to Fred uh, for any questions, if there are. Very good. Jan, thank you very much for your very clear presentation. There are a, a limited number of questions, um, which I will now field over to you. Uh, earlier on, there was a question regarding, uh, I believe they were Mendeley advisors or, or representatives. Can you explain a little bit more about that program uh, for your volunteers? And I think the question is, uh, are there a specific uh, um, criteria that you're looking for among the volunteers? Um. Well, first of all, I, I, I'm happy to refer everybody to uh, the website, there's Mendeley.com, and then in the footer you will see uh, a link to spread the word, where you can read up a little bit about uh, more specific criteria, but I'm happy to answer that as well right now. Um, you know, we are just looking for people who believe that we can make science much more useful by opening up. And it's not only about Mendeley, but Mendeley is one of the tools, obviously. And the specific criteria there, I would say, is, you know, if you want to tell people about Mendeley and about open science at your local institution or maybe institutions nearby or the company you work for or something like that, then we give you a platform where you can, first of all, uh, get standard information. So we have developed a teaching presentation. We have developed flyers and posters which you can download and can just, you know, reuse. Uh, you can go to your librarian and, and use that information to tell those people about Mendeley. Um, but it's also a platform where you can interact with the other advisors because it's a group of people who have a specific idea of how to advance science. And so I think it might be just a very nice way of communicating and interacting with these specific uh, people. So we have a Mendeley advisor group on Mendeley um, where you know people discuss certain ideas. And it's also uh, helpful for you because we discuss, for example, early teachers um, with people in the Mendeley advisor group. It's basically just for us as well a channel to get feedback. So if somebody goes out and gives a presentation, then some people come back and say, well, there were these kind of questions and some kind of feature request. And it's, you know, as I mentioned, the face um, of Mendeley to the local community. Thank you very much. Um, next question, there's a, actually a comment and, and perhaps you can uh, comment in response. Uh, a comment that says that the idea of uh, an iTunes for research paper, one of the models you mentioned, um, seems as if it might be potentially at odds with a commitment to openness in academic research. Uh, the comment goes on to say that uh, if you're selling access to individual articles and ostensibly taking a share of revenue, does that at all place you in conflict with the goal of openness for the academic community? Uh, any comment on that? Uh, 
Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I believe that's very far down the road. Uh, it's an idea we have, and uh, the idea behind that really is how can we make more content accessible? And right now, the content is mainly being accessed via institutional subscriptions. Um, and there are two factors to that. One is obviously I, as a researcher first, need to be aware of additional content, and then, which is the first step, which is something we are trying to do already. Uh, and then the second step is, what is a convenient way for me as a researcher to get access to that content? If there is an institutional subscription and you already have access to that content, you know, there should not be a reason for you to pay twice. So it's a you know, purely technological question to figure out whether you already have access or not. However, if you don't have access, then I think it's reasonable to think about additional ways of making this content available to you. And, you know, on the one hand, obviously, if, if everything was freely available, that would be great for the end users, but surely we also have to think about, you know, there are certain costs involved uh, in the publication of these research papers and so forth. So, you know, that's something we will have to discuss with publishers and where publishers understand that we are able to drive more content. And, again, that's something where we're engaging with publishers in these kind of discussions. But right now, I would say this is, you know, more further down the road. Very good. Thank you for that response. And it looks like our last question, uh, could you expand a bit on the uh, earlier in the presentation where you showed related research, could you expand a bit about the, uh, the engine you're using to find those related research articles? Yeah, okay. So I'm, uh, I'm not uh, the super expert in that. Uh, I try to answer as best as, I as good as I can. If there are further questions, just email me, and I'll, I'm happy to forward that information to our chief scientist who is leading our R&D efforts. So right now there are two ways we are generating uh, related research. One is related research on the actual article pages, and there I mentioned this is done via keywords in uh, the title and in the actual text of the research papers. So you know, we try to figure out what are the keywords for the specific articles and try to identify similar keywords in other articles and then um, show that as related research. That's one way of um, basically recommending additional articles. And then there's a personalization uh, component to that, which builds up over time as you use Mendeley and as you fill your Mendeley library with uh, research papers. So then we look at what kind of research papers you are reading, and then via collaborative filtering, we identify other people who have read, read similar papers and other papers you don't have yet. So, and then we would recommend those additional articles to you. And we've actually seen in, in a couple of tests, and it's just live since a couple of weeks, but we've seen in a couple of tests that these recommendations actually are really well perceived. I don't have any specific numbers, but again, I'm, I'm happy to, to get back uh, with more details. But we have seen that people found these recommendations useful, and obviously as a recommendation system, it will improve over time. We are working on full-text recommendations as well, which would apply semantic analysis on the text so that we try to identify what are the key concepts in a research paper. So what is the research paper talking about? And then compare that 
across the whole database of research papers we have, like 60 million documents, and you know, in the future will be more than that. So that we can actually recommend articles to you that are not related based on discipline or not related because of citation or not related because of other people have read it, but you, know, you might want to find out how a certain methodology has been used across a variety of disciplines. And that is something we are able to do via semantic analysis. And uh, you know, I'm not sure about the specific timeline for that, but I, I think it will be during the course of this year uh, we'll be ready to offer these kind of recommendations. Very good. Jan, thank you so much for your uh, presentation and your responses. This concludes today's webcast. Um, if you're interested in future Mac Learning webcasts, I encourage you to check out the maclearning.org website. And on behalf of Mac Learning and Apple Computer, I'd like to thank everyone for attending. Have a great day.